0: 40 days of praying for our nation, for our freedoms, for the future of our country, and and for our future individually as a person. When we come here on Sundays, we pretty much only know what's going on in our own individual world and don't really realize that in a week's time, other people have given up Given up their life, given up their marriage, given up their freedom, given up their children. Because the enemy is very, very strong. And he has an uncanny way of working in the summer months. A little bit away from God, a little bit away from church, a little bit of putting God not having him first in your life is a very dangerous thing. I try to kind of follow people to see where they are when I don't see them at church. And I tell you, I always know that you could tell so much as a pastor by where people are at, by whether they give or not. The majority of this church doesn't give a penny. And those oftentimes are the people that complain the loudest. What business could run without income? By the way, I'm not telling you that because we need money. I'm telling you that because you're disobedient to God And you're losing out. God honors faithfulness. Do you agree with me? Yes or no? See, it's not popular to say stuff that's true in our day and age. Because everybody's right. So you just put God on the back burner and assume that everything will be fine. It won't. My heart is broken this week as people that I've worked with, that I love from this church, have decided their marriage is over. There's no turning back and I know this for a fact, you are not just creating a different destiny for yourself. You are changing the destiny of your own children forever. People take it so lightly. We can just move away and it won't have any effect on us. Please put your phones away. The only reason you'd look be looking down the whole time is if you're on your phone. That is very disrespectful. Why did you even come? You say, He's all fired up. Yeah. I only get this little bit of time. I'm laying it out there, baby. Put your phones away. If you see someone with a phone, tell them to put it away. You don't need it. I'll read the scripture for you if you're pretending you're reading scripture. I say to people, what what are you doing on your phone? Oh, I uh, I was looking things up in the Bible. I'll give you what you need, okay? Just put them away and look up here. That makes people mad because everybody's right today. Everybody has a right to express how they want to feel about things. We are headed for disaster as a nation. I mentioned that to someone I ran into that used to work under me this week, and they jumped my frame. They don't care about what's happening in our church. They're not interested in whether people have accepted Christ or not. They don't care about that. Everybody has their own ideas, and everybody's at a different place in their life right now, you have no idea but that someone didn't walk in the room this morning that is like right on the brink of not wanting to live. Because I know of people this week that are there. Why did I choose to speak on Joel and the re- restoration of the years the locusts have stolen? Is because I'm sick of Satan stealing our lives. I am sick and tired of it. He's a thief. He's a murderer. He's an accuser of the brethren. And whenever there's accusing going on, by the way, and you're accusing someone because it's never anybody's fault anymore, but you're accusing someone else, you better take heed and look in your own life. There are consequences for every choice you make. By the way, husbands lead your home. I can't lead, my wife won't let me. No, you will lead and they will respect it. Because that's what the Bible teaches. A scholar wrote this by the name of Charles Feinberg. Locusts have been known to devour every green herb and every blade of grass in an area of almost 90 square miles so that the ground gave the appearance of having been scorched by fire. The locusts have a nickname actually. They're called hunger incarnate. The Bible says that the locusts in Joel's day had stolen the property, the grounds, the livelihood, and the seed that would be left for the next generation. Do you know what is happening today, what I see around us? We are not living as first-generation dynamic, I'm-in-love-with-God Christians, and that apathy and lethargy is falling to our kids. And by the time they have kids, they won't even be saved because we're just passing that down because of political correctness or because you don't want to talk in front of your friends about Jesus or you certainly aren't sharing the gospel. I could go down a list of people who have accepted Christ in this church in the last year. It's been amazingly powerful. Every time we meet, there's somebody thinking, about their relationship with God. And I would hate to not know Jesus Christ as my Savior because I'm going to tell you a story right now. Jesus is coming, and you'll be left here to face the locusts. That's a fact. I didn't make that up. The Bible teaches it. The book of the Revelation written by John on the Isle of Patmos was largely prophetic in nature to leave it out there for us to study and find out what is yet to come. Joel 1.4 describes the total devastation that occurred around Israel. What the four categories of locusts did. There are four kinds of locusts. There are the chewing, the swarming, the crawling, and the consuming. And the way it works with locusts, they actually go through different phases. What happens in a nation is the seed of the locusts, Is in the ground that's been planted there maybe 14 to 20 years ago, and all of a sudden it all comes alive at once and devours a place. I told you on our honeymoon, my father-in-law gave me some bad directions, and we ended up on Beartooth Pass in a blizzard in the middle of the summer. That wasn't fun because my brakes went out going down the mountain. This is a great way to start a new marriage. Hang on, honey, because we're going for a ride around the curves. And we landed at the bottom, and I said, we were so exhausted, we just wanted to stop for the night. And I said, do you know of a hotel? They said, the nearest hotel is five hours away. So we kept driving through the night. We got there, and the Bates Hotel light was flickering. I'm not making this up. It wasn't called the Bates, obviously. But, but the hotel light was flickering. It was the only place to stay, so we got our room with a screen door on it and got in there. And Becky remembers, too, it was pretty scary, wasn't it, hon? Yes, there was no taking a shower that night. The locusts were in town. We asked and they said every 14 years they come alive. They devour the seed. The Bible says that there are four categories of the chewing, the swarming, the crawling, and the consuming. And what one doesn't take, the next phase does take. So there's nothing left. Here's how it works. The locusts are working in your life right now. Yeah, summer's here. It's okay if we loosen up a little bit, loosen up and just do a few things that maybe aren't exalting to God. We could miss church. I don't need to read my Bible. I could just do pretty much whatever I want to do, and I won't be affected by it. I'm t- here to tell you, 44 years of being a pastor has proven this to me. Summer consumes and devours people. I love summer in Michigan, all two days of it. No, actually, when it gets up in the 90s, I'm like praying that it gets cooler. Last few days have been amazing days. I love Michigan, don't you? And I'm not talking about a football team. I'm talking about the state. Yeah. In the mid-30s, America went through this period of time called the Dust Bowl. It is when the locusts actually came alive and ate everything in sight. Drought, pestilence, and high winds devastated the heartland of America. Midwestern farmers upped and left the land where they were born, where relatives were buried. They moved west in search of survival and formerly rich, fertile farmland became worthless dust. This is the way it was in the days of the nation of Judah. When southern Judah was devoured by locusts who came alive and ate everything in sight. And unlike America, there weren't pesticides to stop the locusts from further devouring the land. Work something like this. Drought creates porch ground. Big bad bugs eat away our innocence the commitment that we once had, our faith and our peace of mind. Locusts eat up opportunities for a bright destiny, and our soul dries up. It weakens our conscience, wrecks our relationships, and leaves us all alone. I can tell you this right now. There are multitudes of people in America who are all alone. And as I read this morning out of Erwin out of McManus' book, when you are alone and you feel that aloneness in your life, Satan's opportunity is to try to make you find your identity in the wrong places, and the wrong things. He's the master of deception. He will use any means he can to keep you from growing. In chapter 1 of the book of Joel, God called them my army. My army. I thought that was really interesting as, as I was studying that God would actually call the locust my army. It would be wise for all of us to think about this. God is a gracious God, but is God after me? Is God after me? Is God after you? He's always in pursuit of you. It's you who doesn't pursue him at times, correct? You push him out. You block him out. You say, it just seems like when I let God take over, everything goes bad. Trust me on this. There may be locusts for a while, but God is still in control. And God will restore the years that the locusts have a way of eating away at. You know that you have a family member that's not walking with God. Maybe a spouse that is not a Christian or a son or a daughter who truly doesn't understand salvation. And you've already given up and quit praying for them when God would want you to pray every single day until there's a breakthrough. Yes, yes. My wife has been friends with the lady for numerous years. I first met them when they started coming to our previous church that I planted and I helped them in their marriage. Not too long ago, some people in our church who live right next to them said, told us that the woman had cancer and it didn't look good. She only had a short period of time to live. So, my wife immediately went over there and brought her some stuff and and then went again a couple weeks ago, and she was actually the lady was actually asking my wife, "Why is hospice here? I don't understand. And I got a phone call. My wife and I went to the Grand Rapids Symphony Picnic Pops at Cannonsburg. I got a phone call where we were in the vehicle, and it was Barb passed away this afternoon. It has a freaky, sudden impact on you that is hard to describe. When somebody that you know and you've shared life with and had really good times, and this woman was the woman my wife always called to go pray with her and for her, isn't she, honey? She was the most godly woman, and you would say to yourself, why in the world would God, by the way, the God of the locusts, mm-hmm, it's God who is behind the locus. Yes. You just don't want to admit it because you don't like the fact that God would use those kind of means to get at you and to get at me. And I asked myself the question, why did she die? That doesn't even seem fair. Why did she have to die? Why couldn't she have lived? She was a prayer warrior. She was a godly woman who went with my wife to cast demons out of a woman and she's gone. And it illustrates a great point, I think, this morning. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Is that not true? The Lord, some of you just sit there like bumps on the log. I just think to myself, am I talking to a brick? I'm I'm being serious. Are you even listening? You wonder why all these things have come into your life. It is because you're still not getting it. You don't get it. God is after you. He sends the locusts. He could take them away just as quickly as He could send them, can He not? They're His army. God at times chooses to stretch out to us. Because it deepens our faith. It deepens my trust in God. Because God is good all the time, is he not? He's always good. Even when you lose someone that you deeply love, you have to know that God has a plan in it. Yes, he does. God has a reason. He has a reason for putting a man by the name of Job in the Bible. And he doesn't always communicate to us. And Job had been lying in unrelieved misery for months with open sores all over his body. During this time, he bore grief of seven dead sons and three dead daughters. All of his wealth had vanished in one afternoon. Just like that, everything was up like a puff of smoke. I don't even get it. I think to myself, why would we give up everything that is precious to us by choice? Sometimes you don't have a choice, but sometimes you do. He'd become repulsive to his wife, loathsome to his brothers, and even little children despised him as he lay on the ash heap outside the town covered with boils. You find out who your friends are really fast, don't you? The minute there's something that they don't like about you, adios amigos. Am I right? As soon as you change at all or something changes, They're no longer on your page. And by the way, by the way, by the way, I'll throw this in here because you're going to be mad at me anyway by the time the service is over. Throw this in. I don't understand this generation. I just don't. You text them, they don't even answer. There is zero respect. And if you don't believe me that is a part of our culture and our times, read the book of Jude I shared last week. There were three things that characterized the people in the last days, and the middle one was no respect at all. God has a way of protecting our president, and I think it's because we've been praying. I do. And maybe you're not a Trump, Trump fan. He, he says a lot of crazy stuff, and he kind of irritates me because he does have a slight ego. Now, <laughs> what guy do you know that, that gets on TV all the time and says, we're doing a really good job? I'm doing a really good job and I think oh you're killing us. You're killing us. Let another man praise you, praise you and not your own tongue, the Bible says. Let another what? There. It's a good thing my wife is not up here. Notice she's really soft when I ask her a question, but when I hit on a subject that she gets riled about, it comes out. Yeah. Problem with us today, we're a bunch of cowards and chickens, and we use, we we retaliate against anybody who speaks truth into our lives. We have a bunch of interns here this summer, about 15 kids. I would say this, parents, you could not, you could not have done anything better for your kids than to let him be in the than be in the internship. What are they learning? They're learning the Bible, they're memorizing the scripture, they're learning how to work, they're learning how to serve free. Yes. Man, if you care about your kids, you would want them in that. You're just concerned about whether they're a good athlete or this, that, or the other thing. And I think in the big picture, none of that will matter in eternity. I promise you. That's why the church is dying. The church is failing and our country's in trouble because we have a bunch of wusses that are like, he talked too loud. They sang too loud. It was too cold. It was too hot was in the pot whatever whatever I only say that stuff not to prove I'm not intelligent I say it to make you chuckle it's a good thing God has a sense of humor isn't it oh yes it is or we'd be fried yeah we would God put Job in the Bible for a reason it says in the scripture at first Job bore these calamities with amazing submission. But when he had enough of them, it says, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord and shall we not receive evil? But as the misery drug out over the months, Job wavered in his confidence that God was for him. In defending himself against his own friends who were giving him bad advice, He began to insist on his own righteousness at the expense of God's justice. Here's what it says in chapter 13, 23 through 24. Make me know my transgression and my sin. Why dost thou hide thy face and count me as thy enemy? Here's the deal. Job got to the point where he's saying, God, if I'm doing something wrong, will you please show me? God, if I'm doing something wrong, please show me. You ever been there? Why did I get cancer? Why is this happening to my kid? Why is this happening and that happening? You you at times just question God rather than knowing that God is good all the time. And so he complains to God, oh, I knew that where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Why are not times of judgment kept by the Almighty? And why do those who know him never see his days? Reminds me of the guy who visited a friend. He comes to the door with this great big dog, and the dog just runs in the house. And the dog's running through the whole house, and a lamp falls over and breaks, and he's got muddy feet. He jumps up on their nice couch. He tears some stuff off of the wall. And finally, the owner of the home said to his friend, you know, I, I, I hate to say this, but could you please control your dog? And a friend looked at him and said, it's not my dog. I thought it was your dog. You ever been in that place? Come on, all you hot dogs in the house I think you don't need to listen. You ever been in that place? Ever been there? When you falsely accuse someone and they're not guilty and you're not guilty. It's the enemy who deserves the blame, is it not? It's not your wife, it's not your husband, it's not your kids, it's not your parents, it's not the pastor, it's not the church, it's the enemy. Don't forget it. Otherwise, you'll offend and separate yourself from somebody that you really love. Am I right? It's easy to just blame the wrong person or the wrong situation. Sometimes stuff just happens. I would say this emphatically, the locusts, Are my own fault. They're the result of something in my life. Yes, 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 yes. They're the result of something in my life that needs to be surrendered to God. God has an uncanny way of getting my attention. Are you with me? See, I have to make you really mad so that you stay with me. All of us sin. Yes, that's true. All of us sin and fall short of what God would love of us. He would love for his glory to be revealed through us, for us to totally submit. I prayed this morning for people who, whose lives have changed in recent months and I don't see them around. I think the devil's taken them out. The locusts ate them alive and spit them out. Remember, sin will always take you further than you want to go. Keep you longer than you wanted to stay. It cost you more than you wanted to pay. Always. Oh, and you'd think, oh, it's just a subtle sin in my mind. Everybody does that. Everybody thinks like this. Everybody is greedy. Everybody lusts. Everybody has bad attitude and bitterness towards someone. Everybody gets angry at times. And God says, Stop blaming everybody. I'm trying to show you something. Galatians says this: be not deceived. Because God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Yes. Whatever you sow, you will reap. And that's not all bad. That's good, too. You sow some good into the ground and you will reap good. I can't blame anyone but myself. You don't sow apple seeds and get pear trees or grapevines. It's a law that can't be violated. It holds true in the natural world and in the spiritual world. I've shared many times the seven laws of sowing and reaping. You will always reap more than you sow. You will always reap the same kind as you sow. the, The reaping will not happen right away, but it's coming. It is coming. Yes, it's coming. The judgment of God is coming on the world. There is no question the world is, is moving at a cataclysmic rate toward the return of Christ. You believe that? Because I do. I was accused this week. Seriously. All you do is whip people into a frenzy over the political state of our nation. I am not trying to do this. I am trying to reveal the fact that what's happening in our nation is connected to prophecy in the Bible that should open our eyes, and alarm us to a certain degree. Reminds me of the farmer whose son was busy sowing his wild oats. It seemed like the boy was always working and developed a bad attitude about it. He was always in trouble with his dad. One day the boy decided he was going to do his own thing and get away from his father. And he started to sow over and over bad stuff. And his father finally said, I'm going to put a nail in the board above the door entering into the barn so that you could see that every time you violate what God would want for your life, you're going to be able to see your sin right there every time you enter in the barn. And soon there were nails everywhere, not just at the top of the door, on the sides of the door, until one day the young man disappeared and ended up committing a crime that caused him to have to be in prison five years. After he was out of prison, his dad, he came home to his dad and said, man, did I learn? Did I learn? Did I learn while I was in there to appreciate what I had and not need to always go looking for something else? Did I ever learn? His dad said, I'm going to take all the nails off the door because God has restored you to the son that I knew. But that wasn't the end because after all the nails were off the door, The young man had to look at the holes which constantly reminded him of his sin and the grace of God. Who God, you are gracious. Yes, he is. Isn't he? God, you are gracious. Yes, you are. One of my friends in the church blew it the last two weeks, broke into his own house, took the door off and destroyed his life. I've been fighting with the enemy over that. He's giving everything up for alcohol. Let me just say this. It's not worth it. It is not worth it because you decide you want to sow some wild oats. It is not worth it. You will not just leave scars of your own sin, but you will leave that as a legacy for your children. Think about baseball stars today. I don't even know who they'd be. But back in the day, Mickey Mantle was was the man. He was the guy that everybody looked up to. And in his own personal testimony, which I found to be really interesting this week, he talks about the fact that he didn't turn into a Babe Ruth because he allowed something in his life To consume him. And it was alcohol. He died of sclerosis of the liver. Alcohol got him. And he actually, in his testimony, his biography, talks about the fact that it was alcohol that destroyed his life. And people say, I can just have a drink. It won't bother. I can have, we can have a few drinks. Let me just say this. I agree with that but I don't agree with this. I think that whatever you do in moderation, your kids are watching and they will do in excess. I'm not just an old fashioned Baptist. I am Baptist by the way, so surprise. How do I mean? Well, that's the teaching that I learned. You don't get salvation and then lose it every other day because you sin. That is not biblical. I believe God wants us to live holy. That's Baptist, so I'll stick with it. I think God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, and I want to seek him because I want his favor on my life. I do think that God does restore the years that the locust took from you. Does he not? You think there's no way back. There is a way back. Fast forward here. Moses is an example of someone who really blew it. He killed someone. He was on his way to be doing great powerful things for God and he killed someone and ended up on the backside of the desert. It would be interesting this morning to find out how many people in the room are living on the back side of the desert. You're not really happy. You're not really content. You're not where you'd like to be. Let me caution you here. Sin will always take you further. So if you think sin is the answer to being happy, you're wrong. Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years learning he was nobody, and 40 years discovering that what God can do with a nobody Yes. Am I right? Yes. What God can do with nobodies. People may heckle you, but God is still in control. There are all kinds of people in the room this morning, people who want to be somebody. They, th- they think they're nobodies, some people, and people who have learned that God can do great things when they realize what God does with a nobody. Nobody. So maybe you're making mistakes right now in your life and you know it. You know you're choosing a path that is going to lead to destructiveness. And I I don't even have to mention a whole bunch of them. You already live there. Being bitter is a mistake. Being unforgiving is a mistake. Thinking alcohol or drugs will satisfy you is a mistake. Being angry all the time is a mistake. God wants to give you joy right now, right here, because he is powerful to do great things in your life. Is he not? Yes? Okay, let me see. I'm going to look around to see if everybody says yes, because this is a problem with so many people. It's not dignified. To say amen. Not dignified to act crazy about God. Screw dignified. How about act crazy a minute? How about do it again? No, there are people that you don't even understand that God is so great, he can do anything, anything. He can change your destiny. He can change your future. Joel said this in chapter 2 and verse 25. God says to his people then and now, I will restore to you year the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts. Don't you feel sometimes like, They're just bugging you like crazy. Like the devil is always bugging you, don't you? Like he's just, oh, there's always something there to make you feel like I can't quite get through this. It's always another thing that Satan is bringing to make you feel like trash. And you just think, I give up. I just totally give up. It's not going to work. I can't live that life for God. And God says, no, I want to restore the joy of your salvation Get ready because it's coming right now by choice. I want to restore the joy of salvation. You get on your knees every single day and pray. We kept our promise, my wife and I. Kept our promise and I saw God answering all already this week. Yes, we kept our promise. 40 days of prayer will change multitudes of things. Yes, it will. Am I right? How many people did it every day this week? Raise your hand. Okay. 40 days, you're on day 8 today that you're praying. At the end of those 40 days, I will guarantee you, you will be able to look back if you have prayed and say, this is what God did. Look at what God has done. Somebody you were praying for changed. Some situation changed. But God says that he can restore the years that were literally stolen away from you. See, the reason for your loss is irrelevant to the restoration of God and what he wants to do in your life. The reason for your loss is not important. God just says, I want to bless you right now, right this second. Right this second. I'm curious how many people have something that you need God to restore, to put it back to the way it was meant to be something or someone, raise your hand. Okay, put them down. I can promise you this, God wants to restore that for you. You gotta believe it. You have to believe it, you have to pray about it and you keep praying and you pray and you pray and you pray until there's a breakthrough and you know that God did it. You shall eat plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be put to shame. God promises that you will come out of this with praise. Yes, you will. You will come out of this with praise. And you'll see. say, I have seen the goodness of God even in all the eating that the locust did. I have seen God, I want to jump up and down and be Pentecostal and do some flips and blah, 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 because God is so good he can do anything, isn't he? Robots. You, you might know this. You got you to know this. The minute you get serious about praying, the devil's going to try to discourage you. Is that right? The minute you get serious about giving something to God, he, he comes back and slaps you with an amazing blessing. And you just, I, we should put some music on right now and start tap dancing. I'm serious. As soon as I tried this week to realize that God wanted to restore in my life certain things, I run into somebody in the grocery store and they slam me to the, oh my gosh, I was so discouraged, I said, I can't give in to this. I'm preaching on being restored, and the devil doesn't want me to be restored. He wants me to be defeated. He wants you to be defeated, am I right? I am mad that my friend went out and got blasted, drunk, and wrecked his marriage. I'm spitting mad. I'm so mad, but I'm not giving up because God doesn't give up on us, does he? Are you guys with me over here? I I am not going to give up because God doesn't give up. He's the great restorer. He's not the accuser. Whenever there's accusing, you might know it's the devil because the devil wants you to accuse and blame someone else. Blame Satan, and then you win. You get delivered of anger and bitterness and hatred and all the rest. You start winning and you start realizing, God, you are good and your mercy endures forever, right? God, you are faithful. You are faithful. You are faithful, God. Woo! God is faithful. We're overcomers through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. John said it in Revelation. Every time the enemy tries to come at you you say I've been blotted by the blood of Jesus. That is my testimony. There's nothing like the blood of Jesus. I'm an overcomer. That scripture. Overcoming by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. Cuz people like to say he's not even saved. Have you heard about him? He can't even be saved and I just say think all you want but I know Jesus, and I love him, and I'm imperfect, perfect, and flawed, but God loves me anyway. That's not an excuse to sin. It's just a reality. Three very important things if you want to overcome. Overcomers get down, but they also get back up. If Jesus were in the room right now, he'd walk literally walk down the aisles. He would walk right down the aisles, and he'd say, get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. up. Get up from where you are. Every time I pray with somebody that is demonically attacked, and you can tell that it's demons, I always tell them, you have to believe now. If you want to be anointed with oil, you got to believe that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, wants to anoint you and take care of that situation and and tell Satan, no. No, I'm getting up. What did Jesus say to the man who sat by the pool for 38 years? He said, get up. Get up. Why are you squandering your time, and why are you wasting your life sitting in a puddle on the floor all the time when Jesus says, get up, you're healed? Is it just my wife that's with me? Come on, i got to beg you for it. Huh? You have to be a comedian to be a pastor, because otherwise everybody's sleeping. I'm not seeing any sleepers today. Some creepers, but not sleepers. (laughs) All right, some people just got offended. He called some people. He said people are creepers. Is that the truth or not? Gosh, there's not a single person in this room that is not creepy at times. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Life is awesome anyway, isn't it? God wants to do something powerful. He wants to restore you. Overcomers have some setbacks, but they also have some get back ups, don't they? About the time you thought it was over and you couldn't bear it, God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you like crazy. Yeah, overcomers may lose the battle, but they win the war. Yeah, they do. Hallelujah. Yeah. I bought a big shout to God. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Yes. God, we might go through some valleys, but in the end, even though we've had those battles, we win because it can't take our salvation away. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Even though you may feel like you lost on this earth, heaven is for real. Yeah. We used to sing a hymn, heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. Last week at Men's Bible Study, we talked about what it will actually be like in heaven and whether you'll have the desire to sin anymore. And I want to continue on that thought tomorrow night because we think, most of us think, that we have to live in that mud puddle of sin. And God says, no, I want to restore you. You can be whole right now. You got something the praise band's coming, but you're not leaving yet, okay? I want I want to, all of us to understand this morning that God is right now trying to restore the years that the locusts have eaten out of your life and put joy back inside. And if it's not you, you're praying for someone else that God ne- needs to restore these years. God needs to put them back to where they were designed and intended to be. And one of the guys asked me last week, what's it going to be like in heaven? What is? Well, heaven is going to come to earth, according to prophecy. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, and they will sit together a 1,500 by 1,500 square mile block. That's what the Bible says. It will come and sit down on this earth. It will go back and forth. Heaven will be a place on earth as God restores us to what we were, before the fall, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just hoping I'm not looking creepy. Seriously. You've been praying about something. You came today by God's design. I'm, I'm positive. You came today by God's design because you've been praying specifically for something. If that is the case, and you want God to restore the years the locusts have stolen in that area, I want you to stand up for a moment because we're going to pray together. We're going to believe God. We're going to believe God. We're going to pray together. There's something that you've really, really been praying about that God needs to restore. I pray in the name of Jesus. His name is above every name. And the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father God, restore the joy, restore the years that the locusts have literally eaten. They ate the seed, they ate the root, they ate the leaf. They, they have left you with no hope for the future because there's no seed left. But God says, I'm going to put a fresh seed in you right now, a seed of hope, a seed of joy, a seed that will come back and rejoice in what God does through your pain and hurt. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, and you're all praying for your particular thing right now, right here, and just be seated now. I pray, God, you would begin to show deliverance to all of these people in these situations. I'll Keep your eyes closed for one moment. I don't want to leave a service without offering the opportunity. You would say this morning, Pastor, I cannot say with absolute certainty that when I die, I am going to go to a real place called heaven. I cannot say that with certain. I have never... Had a time in my life when I've personally by faith accepted his gift of salvation. And you'd raise your hand. That's me, Pastor. I don't think I I don't know for sure if I'm going to heaven, but I would like to know. Anyone in the room, raise your hand. This morning I want to offer that opportunity because I don't know where you're at. Yes, we have one person. Anyone else? Anyone else in the room? I don't know for certain. We're in a battle. We're in a fight, are we not? Pray that we will fight on.